them dirty birds, call me Julio. Soon as the work touch, we make it Julio. Me and my plug sipping down Julio. You out of bounds, we touching down. Welcome, Peter Report readers, listeners, and viewers to a Monday edition of the Peter Report Podcast. I am Scott Reynolds of PeterReport.com, and we've got a great show for you today. Supposed to be joined by Matt Matera. He's having some computer problems right now. Technology is great when it works, but boy, sometimes when machines don't work right, we want to just destroy them. Hopefully, Matt has not destroyed his computer because we have a lot to talk about today. We're talking about Julio Jones. Should the Bucks sign Julio Jones? It was a question that was posed on pewterreport.com over the weekend in J.C. Allen's article. I had a question about it today for the Bucks Monday mailbag, and uh, and so I wanted to address it today on the show and kind of dive into this because I know that's been a, a popular name thrown out there by Buccaneer fans uh, about Julio Jones, and uh, you know uh, we, we'll see if if uh, if the Buccaneers end up making a move at wide receiver, right? Um, I, I, the reason why we wanted to, to tackle this topic today is because. There is some level of concern that that Chris Godwin might not be ready to return. And if that's the case, well, the Buccaneers then, uh, are they going to go into the season with Mike Evans? Are they going to go into the season with a Chris Godwin? That's why we're throwing this question out there, right? And we've got Matt Matera here to, to talk about it with me. Matt, how are you doing today? I'm doing a little bit better. My technology, just for whatever reason, was not working. As you saw, I was in there with you before the yep. start of the show. and things malfunction but you know what we're good now it's a monday we're getting things rolling we want the fans to be pumped and ready to go for a great week of tampa bay buccaneers football with today's topic as you were just talking about the bucks wide receivers yeah talking about whether or not the bucks should sign wide receiver julio jones we all know julio has tormented the buccaneers for years <laughs> in the nfc south before finally moving away and going to the tennessee titans but before that he of course had to go up. Well, he was supposed to go up against the Bucks in training camp last year, but he did not participate in those yeah. games. So he didn't get as far as way as Bucks fans would have wanted. But now there's an opportunity potentially for him to join the Bucks this season. Yeah. And so really what the Buccaneers have to kind of grapple with uh, is, is not, you know, which flavor of Celsius they should drink. Right. Uh, we'll get to Celsius in a minute. By the way, the Peter Report podcast is energized by Celsius, as always. But I, I think the thing, Matt, is is when is Chris Godwin going to return to the lineup? Right. When is when is he going to be available? Is it going to be the start of training camp? Is it going to be into training camp? Is it going to be by week one? I don't know that the team actually has an official answer on that yet right because everything we've heard about chris godwin and i even wrote about this the other day uh, who would replace chris godwin if the season started and he wasn't ready right i think it would be russell gage from the the in-house candidates they gave tyler johnson that look last year matt and he just didn't perform right and you can read that article on peterreport.com where i outline the statistics about that but um so I think that there's there's that kind of ball that's kind of rolling right now that Jace Light has to keep an eye on. The other ball on the offensive side is Rob Gronkowski. That was another mailbag question. Is Gronkowski going to retire? Is he going to come back? And it, does that mean that it might be Cam Brate and a bunch of young guys? Are they going to sign another veteran tight end? That's another ball that's rolling. And then, of course, we've talked about it before. They're going to need a couple more pieces on defense, right? An edge rusher, a defensive tackle. So a lot of balls rolling right now, and Jason Light has to keep an eye on all four of those right now. But today's topic is really about Chris Godwin and uh, and us just not knowing when he's going to be back, right? Yes, yeah, Scott, and it's funny because I believe JC and I spoke about that recently on, on one of the podcasts last week where that's essentially the elephant in the room right now is, you know, we gave our best educated guests on when Chris Godwin could come back and we're kind of both in agreement that, you know, best case scenario would be that he gets a little bit of training camp time late in August, maybe after a preseason game or two. Worst case scenario is he misses, you know, the entire month of September. It doesn't even really come back until October, which at the end of the day, you want a healthy Chris Godwin. You don't want him to come back early, deal 
with any lingering issues that comes with, you know, rehabbing a, a serious injury like that. So I, I think that's the big thing. And as you just talked about how Jason Light is waiting on a couple of different things, yep. he's got a lot of plates spinning in the air right he now. Does. It's almost like a domino effect where, sure, if Chris Godwin is, if you know he's going to be ready by, let's just say, the third preseason game uh, on, on the calendar, right? then fine. You're okay with maybe going in with the wide receivers, maybe signing one more guy for a cheap veteran deal, veteran minimum. We'll see what Julio Jones wants, and we'll obviously discuss that a lot too. But then also, well, if Gronk is coming back, then you have to allocate a lot of that money that they have open in the salary cap right now. Let that go to Gronk. So that could prevent you from getting someone such as Julio Jones if they want to pay a little bit more for Julio. And again, we'll discuss about how much he's worth. So there's a lot of moving parts, and I think a lot of it is we see Godwin in the facility, and that's mm-hmm. awesome. That's great. He was at OTAs not practicing, but he was right. at the facility getting in uh, some rehab work. So it's it's really, like I said, a domino effect of will it be Godwin? Will mm-hmm. he be ready? If he's not ready, will it be Gronk? <laughs> and if it's yes. not Gronk, <laughs> is it Julio? So there's a lot of yeah. door number one, twos, and threes. All right. And, 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 and I, th- I think that that obviously if, if Godwin is not available by week one, having Gronkowski there, right, that would certainly mitigate some of that production, right? Because then you would have, uh, if everyone's sure. healthy, Mike Evans, Russell Gage, uh, Rob Gronkowski, and then whoever's going to be wide receivers four, five, and six, right, to be determined. But Julio Jones might be one of those options. But, folks, when you're looking for options when it comes to uh, your morning beverage, your afternoon get-me-through-the-rest-of-the-workday beverage, if you're looking for some energy, it's Celsius, right? Celsius powers active lives every day with essential functional energy. And the best thing about Celsius, Matt, from my perspective, I'll get to yours in a second, is you get the energy without the sugar crash. Why? Because there's no sugar in it. There's no preservatives. It's a healthy alternative when it comes to energy drinks because it gives you what you need, which is the energy, which is that boost, that lift uh, to power you through your workout. Um, I'm getting ready to, to go hit the gym with my wife, Ashley, here in just a little bit. And after this podcast, and I still feel the energy working from Celsius from from this morning, which is awesome. Matt, I got to think that you're probably going to say the taste is is the best part about it. Are you not? Absolutely. I'm all about the variety. And I think when you when you hear about, OK, this company has this new cola or the Arctic Vibe, which is a berry flavor, or I'm actually about to try for the first time strawberry lemonade. When you hear oh, these flavors... Good. When you hear these flavors, you think, oh, that's great. I hope it tastes like it. This tastes like it and more, all right? Yeah. The orange tastes like orange. The watermelon tastes like watermelon. I would put Celsius up against any any energy drink that's out there and say that their flavors are the most, like, as on point, as yes. on brand as you could possibly get. And the flavor is one thing, but as I said before, the variety. Just so many different options that there's literally, it feels like there's new flavors Every single week, I almost can't keep up with what they got going on. But the beauty they're is, all good. <laughs> yeah, they're all good. And there's something for everyone, too. Yeah. I get it. People's taste buds are different. They might not like a certain fruit or a certain flavor. Right. But that, that that's across the board with, like, you know, with any brand that you're talking about. But the beauty of Celsius is that you can go in any direction that you want. As I mentioned, the watermelon, the mangoes, it's it's nonstop. So. Make sure you go to your local gas station, bodega, anywhere close near you. Because Celsius is everywhere now. You can yeah. find it in like any local convenience store. Sure. As I said, I got the strawberry lemonade right here. Yeah. Tomorrow, I'm going to be rocking the cola flavor. That's right. If you don't like the the, the flavors of fruit, you know, um, cola, right? It, it tastes like your favorite cola beverage. It really does. I don't know how they do it. But you get you get the the flavor uh, from from the, the cola uh, type of of soda that you're used to, but you're getting energy in it without the sugar. It's fantastic. Amazon folks use the subscribe and save option, go there and um, you can get the variety pack too, that I think has the cola in it. You can try the different types of flavors. And once you find the ones that you like, or if you just like the variety pack, get the subscribe and save that way you can save money, have it ship right to your house. You can also set the frequency. Do you, do you want a, a case coming to you every week, every two weeks, every month, whatever mm-hmm. uh, you can just set it. And, and they'll deliver it right to your door, and you'll save money, too. So it's it's a great way to get Celsius uh, on the cheap. So appreciate uh, Celsius for being 
the title sponsor of the Pewter Report podcast. Matt, it is 412 in exactly eight minutes. We've got the special thing we do on Mondays, and it's called Roll Call. Where are you at, Pewter people? So what we do with this is in about eight minutes, I'm going to be talking, and Matt's going to be putting up your location. So what we ask you to do in the chat is starting in 420. Don't do it right now, but at 420, pepper us, inundate us with where you're you're from, where are you listening or watching the podcast at right now. It's always cool to see uh, us Floridians, right? Uh, see where you, where where you're at, right? Where you are are enjoying the Peter Report podcast in the state of Florida, in the sun, uh, in the Sunshine State. Where are you enjoying it around the country, right? Which state are you are you watching it in? Where are you around the world? We have an international audience, which is yes, so we cool. Do. We love our international Buccaneer fans. And whether you're uh, an American native who has moved overseas or you are a native of your own country and just a love for the Buccaneers from across the ocean, that's awesome. So we want to hear from you in a matter of minutes. Um, uh, before we, we get into the Julio Jones thing, though, uh, Matt, uh, he's not the only option, right? at yeah. wide receiver. There's a couple of other wide receivers out there. And um, uh, and, and we'll, we'll get to those as well. I, I think it's important, though, that we kind of talk about briefly for the next couple of minutes here. Uh, if they don't address the wide receiver position uh, for Chris Godwin, and what we mean is, yes, they, they signed Russell Gage, but what Russell Gage, what that signing does is that essentially replaces Antonio Brown, right? I mean, that's uh, he's going to be that Z receiver. He's going to be that that uh, split or not the split and the flanker who's going mm -hmm. to be uh, playing that that Antonio Brown role. And the good news is he can also play in the slot as well. Yeah, and he has a lot of you know versatility as well too. Obviously, we know what happened with the Bucks last year, and I think we're forgetting too. And you mentioned it, Scott, that the Bucks are losing Antonio Brown. Obviously, they played the end of the season, but when he went and left them in the Jets game, that was very late in the season. So we yeah. didn't have to see a, a full year with trying to replace Antonio Brown and Chris Godwin. We're going to get that now. But as you remember, Russell Gage, there were a lot of guys missing on uh, the Atlanta Falcons team, too. So Russell Gage was asked to do a lot of different things, which is why I think he's going to be so great. And so many Bucks fans and you hear from the coaches and players, too. Why they're so excited to have Russell Gage here, because as you said, he can line up outside. He can go inside as well, too. He can make the difficult catches. He's got the vertical that you're looking for. He can go up and get the ball. And I think he's going to really be a factor in, in just yeah. the way that he can line up everywhere and build that chemistry with, you know, with Tom Brady. I don't think Tom Brady's FaceTiming just anyone. You know, yeah. he, he specifically made sure that he sought out Russell Gage. And I really think Gage, especially if Godwin's not able to play, let's just say hypothetically the first month of the season, you're truly going to see his value and see what he can do for this team with his production. At the end of the season, it might not line up as much just for the mere fact that hopefully Gronk is back. Hopefully yeah. Chris Godwin you know, comes back into the form that he is. But this is a great opportunity for Gage. He obviously played with a really good quarterback in Matt Ryan, understandably not, right. in, his, not in his prime, but – all we know is Tom Brady makes other players around him better. So whether right. whether Gage gets you know ninety percent of the snaps or seventy five percent of the snaps, depending on injuries and the way things go, I think Gage is going to go down as probably one of the more underrated great moves by Jason Light uh, in this off season, of course, and then you know over the over the last couple of years, it really could be. Yeah, and and I think the thing too with with Russell Gage, right is when you look at, at his production, and, and I think we just put it up on the screen here too, with Matt Ryan, right, without Tom Brady, he got 700 yards in back-to-back -back seasons. Yeah. So he's capable <laughs> of doing that. And it's just a matter of, of right the amount of touches that he's going to get, right? Is is, is he going to be shouldering more of the load for the first week or the first month of the season without Chris Godwin you know, in there? Or is it going to be a situation where he's just a complimentary guy Listen, before Antonio Brown was hurt, right, we we were kind of uh, on to the fact that the numbers that Mike Evans and Chris Godwin and Antonio Brown were putting up, all three wide receivers for the first quarter of the season were on pace to hit 1,000 yards, right? Yeah. So that, that's doable in this offense. That's possible, right? And, and Antonio Brown missed games due to injury, then due to the suspension. So he obviously got derailed, right? 
We saw Chris Godwin get over a thousand yards and still lead the team in receiving despite missing the last couple of games of the year. Led the team in receiving and I believe was top 15 in the NFL and yeah. missing all the, the end of it. So it just shows, you know, how important Chris Godwin is to this team. But that doesn't mean, you know, another person like Gage can come in and he's not going to put up Chris Godwin numbers. Well, right. he may not. I, I don't want to never say never. Right. But, you know, he could still have an impact on this team. And I think we saw too, not to change the subject a ton, but when you saw Chris Godwin go down, the Bucs relied on their stars to pick it up. So, And I'm not just saying the wide receiver position. I'm talking about that's why they drafted Rashad White because Leonard Fournette right. was so valuable in the past. Game. Right. But you just add another guy to complement what Tom Brady's looking for overall. So if one guy goes down, you've seen another guy you know, step up. And the Bucs offense was still, for the most part, successful despite mm-hmm. the fact that Brown wasn't there and, and Godwin yeah. obviously got injured. And so some I of those guys, you answer that. Some of these guys you mentioned, Cyril Grayson, Scotty Miller, to a degree, not much as a receiver, but the end around against Carolina, Burchard Perriman. Some of those guys stepped up. Let's hear real quick before we get to roll call uh, from Kevin Garber talking about the wide receiver competition for those final roster spots, four, five, and six. Uh, We're not really making those decisions right now. It's kind of hard in shorts. um, You know, it's really more about the little things. Uh, the details of the plays, uh, alignment, assignment, execution are kind of the things that I'm looking for right now. Uh, and I think in, in training camp, we'll have probably a better opportunity for one of those guys to separate themselves. Uh, and really the way that I look at it, and same thing I'm telling the guys in the room, um, you know, on this team, we got Mike and we got Chris, and those two guys are guys that have established themselves, um, you know, in, in their roles and what they bring to the offense. Uh, and besides that, it's it's open open season. So uh, really, really competition across the board uh, for all those guys that you named. Uh, they all got different talents and abilities and, and bring something different to the table. Um, but but really looking forward to the competition is this. Yeah, so it, it is going to be interesting what happens, right? Because Scotty Miller is healthy now. Brashard Perriman had some bright spots at the end of the season. And Jalen Darden. Uh, wrote a story on him. Yep. Kevin Garver was talking about him uh, really kind of getting dialed into the the playbook a little bit more during the second half of the season, really kind of understanding it. It seemed to me that, that, uh, that Darden was one of those guys that, you know, you can learn it sometimes by watching film. You can hear it in the classroom. You can look at a, a, a play and see how it's diagrammed to take it to the field. Some guys, though, they have to be on the grass, running the routes to have that muscle memory, and that's that's really what what uh, you know what what Darden uh, was and is as a, as a learner. And so I think that's why maybe it took him a little while to get going. But what we're going to get going with right now, because it is four twenty, Matt. It is Monday. That means roll call. All right, pewter people. Let's see where you're from. Go ahead and and, and hit it in the chat. Uh, I'm going to be talking about these these wide receivers while Matt is putting up your destinations here uh, for the the next couple of minutes. We appreciate uh, out there in Colorado, Matt. We'll probably be talking about Colorado later on today, dude. Um, I think we will. I think we will, dude. Um, but Cyril Grayson's one of those guys that I'm really kind of excited to see because this guy, the light bulb came on. He had two dynamic games, one at Carolina. The other one, of course, was the Jets game when Antonio Brown decided to opt out for the second half in the third quarter. He skipped off the uh, the field and said, see you later, Bruce Arians. Uh, but this guy stepped up, caught the game when he touched down pass. It's interesting that, that neither Mike Evans nor Rob Gronkowski was targeted down the stretch. Cyril Grayson, it's kind of a one-man band on that play. He and Tyler Johnson made some big catches down the stretch in that game to win it for the Buccaneers. That would have been that would have been a very embarrassing loss to the Jets. Matt, you might have had some mixed feelings about that uh, <laughs> growing up in the gangrene. But at the same time, uh, you know, crisis was averted thanks to Cyril Grayson. But uh, Brashad Perriman, this is a player that, that has stepped up in a couple of big moments. This was a, a big catch down the stretch here. You saw the, the, the walk-off touchdown he had in overtime. Bruce Arians liked Brashad Perryman, and I don't think it's just exclusive to Bruce Arians. This entire offensive coaching staff likes Perryman from what he brings from a size and speed standpoint. I just think that that him having an entire 
offseason with this program getting synced up with with Tom Brady is going to do nothing but help him. And I think having another preseason with Tampa Bay and and having that that experience will will certainly help out as well. He's in the mix for a spot. I think those are two guys that are probably maybe top of mind for me. Then you're looking at a couple of other guys. Scotty Miller, who was leading the team in catches and receptions, I believe, into November, right before that 38-3 massacre that we saw on Sunday night when the Saints beat the Buccaneers. That's when Antonio Brown came, got his first game as a Buccaneer. And that's really where he took a back seat, Scotty did, to Antonio Brown until the playoffs when Brown got hurt. And after that touchdown catch against the Washington football team, it was Scotty Miller who stepped up with a touchdown catch in the Green Bay game right before halftime. That's one of the biggest plays in Buccaneer history, not to mention his big catch at the end of the Saints game. So he's a guy that Brady still has a, a rapport with. Jalen Darden did not get much play as a wide receiver. So th- th- this team has invested a fourth-round draft pick in, in Darden, Matt, but uh, they didn't draft a receiver this year. They signed a couple receivers afterwards, but this guy still has a fourth-round draft pick invested in him. They they traded up to get him in the fourth round. So what are your thoughts on, on the quartet of Cyril Grace and Rashad Perryman, Jalen Darden, and Scotty Miller? We'll get to Tyler Johnson in a second. Yeah, Scott, I thought you did a great job just providing all that insight. And shout out to everyone for providing where you're coming from with the roll call. Saw uh, Beijing in there and saw yes. Greece. Munich. So shout out, yeah, yeah, and Munich as well. So shout out to everyone that did that. Um, it's great seeing everyone there. Yeah, I'll, I'll go so through much. the I'll go through the whole list minus Tyler Johnson because we, yeah. we can talk about Tyler Johnson. Uh, Brashad Perryman, to be honest, I think he's kind of done. Um, we talked about it before. Yes, the the touchdown in overtime was great. It was an awesome moment. Everyone was thrilled about it. They didn't blow a thing with him, right? A hundred percent. It's the flashes and it disappears. I understand the coaches like him because he's a veteran and he was on this team a couple years ago in um in 2019. So he understands the offense. But I really think if you look outside of just the overtime game, Perryman didn't really provide you much. Um, He still got the speed, but his hands have always been so so. He really only averaged one or two catches a game outside Mm -hmm. of that. So. I'm not very high on on Perryman. I think, you know, he's a good presence in the locker room and, and teammates like him. There's a reason they brought him back. Yeah. But I also think there's a reason, you know, he didn't really last long on the Lions or the Jets. And right. all of a sudden he's going to make an impact with the defending Super Bowl champions. Um, Jalen Dart and Scotty Miller. It's funny you had those pictures together with the two yeah. of them because they are not in the same type of situation because obviously with Darden being that fourth round pick in his second year, I'm not ready to give up on either player though. That's where I find the similarity with them. Darden, especially it's just, it's interesting, right? Because Scotty Miller, he's in a contract year. This is year four for him. Right. Mm -hmm. And this is a big year for Darden because he didn't do much. Right. As, as, especially as a receiver, as a rookie. So you're right. Kind of small guys, uh, similar, but different, but, you know, one's a fourth-year guy, one's a second-year guy. Both need a really big year. Yeah, and you talk about Darden didn't, you know, see the field much. He only played in garbage time outside of, you know, the punt returns. And we've talked a ton about how he needs to get better at that and it's going to be open competition this year. But, Scott, I remember, too, when we were all fascinated with how Jalen Darden played. Granted, it was OTAs in the beginning yeah. of training camp. But it's just like, oh, man, like, what's missing? He's got the speed. Was okay catching the ball. I think he can improve on that, but I think if he if he keeps working at that, it, it shouldn't be too much of an issue for him. But it's like, mm-hmm. man, like what's missing? Everyone else got those opportunities when all the injuries happened and A B left. But Darden never really got that. It was mostly yeah. Tyler Johnson. And so for Darden, it's and we you know, we see him training all the time, but mm-hmm. where's he going? How is he going to improve? Is is he going to get better at his route running? Because he has the speed. Yeah. Just because you're fast doesn't mean that you're going to be a good wide receiver. Yeah. You have you, to you, you hit it, it all. I think that was part of the issue was the route running, right? Tom Brady expects you to be in a certain place in mm-hmm. a certain time, right? Don't round off your routes. Run precise, crisp routes and, and be where you are because that's where the ball is going to be. That's where the trust comes in. And then mm-hmm. the other thing, Matt, and I think this is where Darden struggled too, coming from North Texas. And I think this is what Kevin Garber was kind of alluding to 
when he was talking about Darden, it wasn't on the video, but just in the press conference that we attended mm-hmm. is with Darden, it was a no huddle offense, right? Everyone just kind of stands at the line, looks, at, looks over at the sidelines at the right, card, here's the sign with all the, the figures yeah, right. and yeah, exactly. That's the route that you run. And, and that's not how it is in the NFL. And that's certainly not how it was in Tampa Bay because there's so many choice routes, so many option routes. Yes. So you have to be able to read what the defense is. You're like Tom Brady, you're getting a pre-snap read, right? And then once you take two or three steps, the chess pieces start moving. You got to quickly determine is this zone? And if so, I'm going to sink down into the zone here, or I'm going to keep going through here. Is it man coverage? Right. And then you got to be on the same page with Tom Brady. You got to see it the same way he does. And so, that's why the Buccaneers look for really smart players to run this offense because of those choice routes. We saw even uh, veteran receivers like Chris Godwin and Mike Evans at the beginning of the 2020 season. Yes, I'm so right. happy. I don't mean to cut you off, but th- immediately as you were like, there's so many different choice routes in the Bucks offense, the immediate first thing that popped into my head was that game against the Saints in Tom Brady's debut yeah. where a majority of those interceptions, like I remember the one specifically to yeah. Mike Evans where Evans stopped his route, Brady mm-hmm. thought he was going deeper, and that just comes with playing together yeah. and building that chemistry. So the other thing that I wanted to say was I think Jalen Darden of all the wide receivers is going to benefit most from the school of Tom Brady. When mm-hmm. Brady goes up to your receivers and you see him, oh, when you pump your arms a certain way, I remember he did it with Justin Watson specifically, mm-hmm. he was telling him, Pump your arms like this, and we don't know. that well for Justin Watson. (laughs) Well, yeah, it didn't. I know what you're saying, yes. But Brady does that with everyone. It's not just Justin Watson. So I think Darden could really help with that, too. Scotty Miller, you heard the coaches talk about Byron Leftwich and Kevin Garver. They almost are treating it like a mulligan for for Scotty Miller. Mulligan Mm -hmm. is, for people that don't play golf, It's when you tee off and you hit a bad shot, you just get a do-over. That's essentially what's going on with Scotty Miller because he had – the turf toe injury and that that really limited him. So I'm looking for a bounce back year from him. Mm-hmm. And Surreal Grayson, just to round it out with all the wide receivers that we've talked about, I am probably the most optimistic about him just for what he did late in the season. The great game at Carolina with the clutch block too. Let's remember, yeah, Bucks right. wide receivers need to block in this offense. That Correct. clutch block had a couple of receptions too in that game. Then obviously played very well against the Jets and then unfortunately got hurt and didn't play the rest of the season. Yeah. And made the you know the the walk off touchdown. So I'm probably most optimistic about Cyril Grayson Jr. more than anyone else. I think he can really compete, not just to get that last wide receiver spot, right. but you know be in the mix for probably yeah. five, assuming that the Bucks keep six, probably fifth receiver, maybe even fourth. I wouldn't rule yeah. it out. It's going to be interesting, right? Because you're going to have the Chris Godwin dynamic. Does he start yes. the season on PUP? And if that's the case, then then there'll be another spot for a receiver that's that's created, right? So another wide receiver you know, gets to be in the mix at the start of the season, right? And and maybe it's one of, of the newcomers, too. Maybe it's it's um, uh, Jareth Stearns, right, from, mm-hmm. from Western Kentucky. Maybe it's, it's Devin Tompkins, the kid from Utah State. So this is going to be a very fascinating training camp battle for the guys at the, at the end of the depth chart. And, um, you know, I've talked 28 minutes about offense here. I'm a defensive-minded guy, so excuse <laughs> me. I'm, I'm literally about to throw up right now. Matt, but uh, I do have some good news. It's not in the form of Pepto-Bismol. It's in the form of Will Golston. That's right. Will Golston, defensive lineman Will Golston, is going to be our guest on Thursday at the Pewter Report podcast. So make sure that you are tuning in Thursday. Will's going to be on live with us at 4 o'clock. So we're excited to have him and, and talk some some uh, some defense because, quite frankly, uh, I need it. I need a fix of defense uh, <laughs> at least – at least uh, a couple times a week. I'm not getting it today because it's all about offense. I'm putting up with it just for the sake of the show. But uh, but the reprieve comes on Thursday for sure with Will Golston. So make sure that you're tuning into the Peter Report podcast on Thursday for that. And uh, we're excited to have uh, Will. And we'll have other Buccaneer players and some coaches uh, join us. We're working with the Bucks uh, Community Relations Department to get some, some regular guests on. We're excited about that. And the other thing we're excited about is we're almost at 8,400. I think we need like 10 of you. If you have not subscribed to the Pewter Report TV channel on YouTube, please do so now. Help us get to 8,400 by the end of today. That would be awesome. And yeah. as as Matt is doing, those thumbs up, those like uh, buttons when you click them, 
What do they do for us, Matt? Why do we ask people to like our videos? They help our algorithm. It helps spread the news, spread the word that Peter Report TV has all the top Bucks coverage that you want from the Peter Report podcast to the clips that we're putting out from the podcast themselves to the other videos that you see from the Bucks facility, whether it's Todd Bowles, Jason Light, the Bucks rookie class, Zion McCollum, Rashad White. We got all different videos, clips, everything. Everyone saw the Todd Bowles making the joke about Tom Brady. You yeah. saw that on Peter Report TV. So it's spreading the word about Peter Report and our videos and our podcasts, and we couldn't appreciate you guys more for hitting the like button and subscribing and just letting people know because we got a ton of coverage, whether it's PeterReport.com, whether it's Peter Report TV, our Twitter, Instagram, all over social media, and we couldn't do it without the fans. So make sure you help us with that algorithm, and we really appreciate it. We do. Um, the other thing, too, that that we need to uh, talk about is as we round out the the end of, of the current roster before we get into the Julio Jones conversation is Tyler Johnson. A little bit of a polarizing player in the fact that he played an awful lot. His production went down. No touchdowns last year after recording two in his rookie season. Mm-hmm. And uh, just didn't see the separation. Matt didn't see the yards after catch. Um, didn't really step up as a blocker either in the slot, which was important. That's that's a role that Chris Godwin plays is is someone that can get out there and and block um, as as either an inline guy essentially going after linebackers or safeties on those run plays, um, or just doing some of the dirty work as a wide receiver. And so he averaged ten yards per catch. It was close to fifteen his first year. It dipped down. Matt, this is a player that, remember, Bruce Arians kind of scolded for not being in shape at the beginning of training camp. It just seemed like he didn't have much momentum outside of staying healthy, which he did, but he just didn't have a lot of momentum throughout the entire season from that point on. And credit to Tyler Johnson for staying healthy. But, yeah, to to your point, when Bruce Arians got on him for, you know, not coming into shape, that's a lack of wanting to do well or a, a lack of, I don't want to say self-will, but a lack of not trying to be the best that you can be. And Scott, you just mentioned that his two issues have really been creating separation and blocking. Well, blocking falls into that category of the will, of the want to go out there and engage with another defender for the betterment of your team. And the, um, you know, the separation part, that's a huge, huge sentiment of the Bucs offense is they rely Uh, probably more than most teams, they rely on their receivers to win their one-on-one battles. They're not Mm -hmm. schematically always going to dial up the best thing to get guys open, but you can get away with that when you have Mike Evans, a healthy Chris Godwin, and we'll see what happens with Russell Gage now, and obviously all the other talent that they have at wide receiver. But yeah, as you said, no touchdowns. He had 36 receptions for 360 yards Yeah, and had a big opportunity towards the end of the year, as we've talked about a ton, no AB and no Chris Godwin. The thing that bothered me too, Forget the, you know, the unwillingness to block. Forget the fact that he didn't always win on his separations. There's a lot of times, especially late in the year and in the postseason too, where maybe it wasn't the perfectly thrown ball, but it was a third down play and Tyler Johnson just couldn't come up with the catch. Remember, there Mm -hmm. was a low one. It was in the playoffs, either against the Eagles or the Rams. And he just wasn't able to come up with that play. There was a couple of times, not exactly on him, maybe had to move up, adjust a little bit, but he didn't come down with the clutch third down plays. The big plays that we always see Chris Godwin make, the huge plays that we always see Mike Evans play. And I'm not trying to hold Tyler Johnson to a Mike Evans or a Chris Godwin standard because that's not fair to him. That's not fair to, you know, 97% of the receivers here in the NFL. But if you want to make a name for yourself, in this offense where it's very tough to do because there's mm-hmm. Hall of Famers everywhere you look from the skill players to the offensive line. Hopefully we'll see Tristan Wirfs down the road. We believe um, in you, but, Tristan. Yeah, 100%. Um, but you got to separate yourself one way or another. And there's yeah. a reason why right now we're not talking about Tyler Johnson as a lock for the number four wide receiver. Yeah, I, know, I, I, I would, I would even say him. even as a favorite at this point. Right? Yeah. You know, because the thing is, is, is it helps in this offense that Bruce Arians likes big and fast guys. And I'm going to just hazard a guess that Jason Light and Byron Leftwich also like big and fast guys, right? Yeah. I mean, who doesn't <laughs> on the offensive side? And, and I think that's kind of been the appeal with, with Rashard Perriman. He always has not looked up to that, but that's kept him around. It's kept this team interested in him. That's why Scotty Miller's here because he's fast, right? And Tyler Johnson is big, you know, at 6'2", 200 pounds, 
but he didn't really play big and he's not fast. And so I'm not saying he's the slowest receiver on the team, but he's not one of the fastest. So he's got to do something to separate himself if he's not going to get separation from the other receivers on this team. And, and that's why I think he's in a little bit of jeopardy, right? So, uh, and, and maybe that's a reason why this team is looking at Julio Jones, Matt. Um, this, this is a player that let's, let's talk about Julio, what he was first, right? Julio Jones was a butt killer. I mean, this, this guy, I'm not telling you guys anything you don't already know. Yeah. Right? This, <laughs> this, this guy was trouble for the Buccaneers. 114 catches for 1,814 yards, a 16.2 yard average. That shows you the big playability. Six foot three, 220 pounds. This guy had 11 touchdowns against the Buccaneers in 16 games. And he had a 10 and six record against Tampa Bay all time. So Julio Jones was one of those players that I think a lot of Buccaneer fans were very happy was traded outside of not just Atlanta, but outside of the division. Playing this guy twice a year was tough, Matt. Nine 100-yard games against the Buccaneers, okay? Jeez. And everybody remembers that, or I shouldn't say everyone remembers. I'm sure some people have tried to forget that 12-catch, 253-yard game with two touchdowns in a 34-27, to I'm sorry, 34-20 to win in 2017. So this guy... It had a, a tremendous career, not just in Atlanta, but against the Buccaneers. Right, He played against the Buccaneers for eight seasons. He, he did miss both games in two years due to injuries. He, he was on, he was on injured reserve in 2013. And then this past season in 2020, or I should say his last season in Atlanta in 2020, the wheels fell off the wagon, literally mm -hmm. and figuratively. The hamstring injuries began. Right, He missed both games against the Buccaneers in 2020. And, of course, the Buccaneers swept the Falcons that year with Tom Brady's arrival. But those injuries continued into Tennessee. This is a player now. He's not the same guy he was. He's missed 13 games over the last two years due to hamstring injuries. And at 33, that's a recurring problem now. And I think that's a big reason why not only did the Titans cut him, especially making $11.5 million a year, but nobody's rushed out there to sign him either, Matt. Right. The money for that is just way too much. I mean, you look at his numbers from last season with the Titans. Only played in 10 games. So that means he missed, with an extra game this year, he missed seven games this year. 31 receptions for 434 yards and one touchdown. And, of course, as you said, a hamstring injury, that's usually a lingering thing. And so when it comes to whether the Bucs would want him, it's it's a consistency thing. Now, I do yeah. think that he could fit in that limited role. But when I look at it, too, and it's funny because, again, just reading up on Julio Jones and some of the things, he still showed some flashes of, oh, this is the all-pro, one of the greatest wide receivers in Julio Jones that we've seen before. I mean, you yeah. look at week two, early on in his career with the Titans, he had a game of six receptions for 128 yards. Like, yeah. that's a vintage it Julio is. Jones uh, setup. And so the first game of the season and that game, he played over 70%, I believe over 75%. After that, though, he didn't even play 70% of the snaps again until much later in the season. Yeah. Um, if you look at his wheelhouse yeah, a little and, bit more. And when, when, you, when you look at, at Tennessee, he had one 100-yard game. That was in week two, as you mentioned, I think against Seattle. And then he had his lone touchdown in the last week of the season, week 18, against the Texans, right? Yeah, and that game, too, so – at least for him, that game, he did okay. Five receptions for 58 yards and a touchdown. And then you go to that playoff game uh, where they lost to the Bengals, six receptions for 62 yards. So yeah. I think if he were to come to the Bucks, we'd be looking at that type of production. He had a lot of duds in there as well, too. Like towards the end of the season, uh, one catch. Four catch for 33 yards is okay. Mm -hmm. Two catches in a game, three catches. I think if he were to come to the Bucks, and again, he's going to be playing behind Mike and Chris and probably Russell Gage too. If Julio Jones gives you a game where he gets four receptions, 40 something yards, maybe scores a touchdown in the red zone. Yeah. I think that's kind of what our expectations has to be for Julio Jones. Can yeah. he turn it up here and there? Yes. But consistency is always going to be key. 
and he's been hurt over the last two years. I think you can keep him fresh by limiting his snaps. And if yeah. he only plays in that 55% of the offensive snap range, I really mm -hmm. think he could be valuable to this team. Now, let's remember, Tom Brady, he's known for taking a lot of guys that were, you know are undrafted, late-round picks, the Julian Edelmans, the Wes Welkers, and turn yep. them into great receivers. But when Tom Brady has studs with them, mm -hmm. we all remember when Rand, I, I, I get it. It was over 10 years ago. But, you know, when Randy Moss came there, they had the greatest season of all time statistically right. between quarterback and wide receiver. And Randy Moss had, had a bad year out in, in Oakland before that, yeah. too. I mean, there no, was some talk that he was kind of washed up a little bit, right? I mean, that was that's very interesting that you bring that up about Randy Moss. And, and I'm not sure if if at age 33 – Julio Jones can revert back to old form or not, but, but boy, if he could, right. And the interesting thing too, is he's had these hamstring injuries, the Buccaneers as an organization dating back to 2019, dating back to unfortunately last year with Cyril Grayson and Brashad Perriman, mm -hmm. they've had some hamstring injuries. I'd like to think that, that they're getting well-equipped in terms of had to deal with that. We saw Mike Evans not have a hamstring injury last year, which was good. That was a good yeah. sign. So, <laughs> so maybe that's this is an environment where he can come and thrive and and regain a little bit of that old form. But Matty, even like you were saying, if he's the fourth wide receiver and splitting time uh, when Chris Godwin's healthy and all of that uh, with with uh, Russell Gage, who he knows from Atlanta, the Atlanta days. I'm not opposed to bringing this guy in. the The key, though, is going to be price. The, the price and the role. Because when you're looking at at Julio Jones, you're saying we've already signed Russell Gage for ten million dollars, right? Mike is making what sixteen million. Chris is at twenty, mm -hmm. so we're not going to pay you certainly anywhere close to what any of those three guys are making. And you're 33. You you're coming up your worst year statistically. Yeah. Antonio Brown was only signed for a couple million. R Richard Sherman was only signed for a couple million. That's the type of, of deal you're going to have to contend with. Do you want a Super Bowl ring or not? Right. And and that's the point, Scott, because I if I'm looking at this from Julio Jones, like, yes, you want to be on a team that you have a chance to win and more importantly, a chance to contribute and be yeah. what you once were. I For Julio Jones... He's not going to get that money from the Bucs, or at least the money that he wants to get. And there are a lot of other contenders that are missing wide receivers or recently traded away wide receivers that were probably looking for someone like yeah. well, Julio Jones. I mean, you look at the NFC alone. You saw Dallas get rid of – they traded uh, Amari Cooper. Right. I mean, I think Julio Jones would much rather be the number two wide receiver in Dallas than the number four wide receiver with the Bucs. What about Green Bay? They traded Devontae Adams. Sure, they drafted uh, our guy, Christian Watson, but, you know, I think Julio Jones, would you want to play with Aaron Rodgers and you're going to be the number two? Yeah, I think yeah. he'd sign up for that. Kansas City, same thing with Tyreek Hill. Mm -hmm. Obviously, they replaced him. They got uh, Juju Smith-Schuster, but I still think there would be room for Julio Jones where he would probably get more touches, more production in those offenses than coming here and just being – Right, you know, a, a security issue, a security blanket for the Bucs. If, if I just wonder, though, him. Matt, if at this stage, if at age 33, if Julio Jones takes a, a proper assessment of himself and says, mm -hmm. I, I hardly practiced last year because of my hamstring. Yeah, it, it aggravated the, the, the Titans coaching staff. Right. They got rid of me. This is what I am now. Um, I know my body. I probably can't play 17 games. Maybe I don't want to be a number two receiver, but when I'm with the Buccaneers, if I'm number four on the depth chart, what does number four on the depth chart mean? Now, granted, again, as you mentioned correctly, so Tyler Johnson played a lot of reps for Chris Godwin down the stretch, right? Yeah, he played a lot of reps for Antonio Brown when Brown was was hurt and suspended, but that that was 36 catches for 360 yards. Mm -hmm. A 10-yard average, which is pedestrian at best, and no touchdowns. And if you look at, at the numbers you just read off for Julio Jones in you know in his games with the the Tennessee Titan. Titans last year, right? It's it's not that far off. The production's actually better, right? As uh in, in terms of, of the catches and the production. I mean, 
He had 31 catches, 434 yards. That's a 14-yard average. He can still do some things better than Tyler Johnson yeah. uh, with with the ball in his hands. He still is six foot three, 220 pounds. I'd, I'd imagine he could still go up and high point a ball right on a fade pass. Um, he's going to be a little faster, not as as he used to be, but faster than Tyler Johnson. So <laughs> may, maybe he looks at this and says, well, um, I can get at least what I got in Tennessee in Tampa Bay because Tyler Johnson got it, but I'm better than Tyler Johnson, and I'm going I'm to be more productive, oh, and I might make the playoffs and, and win a Super Bowl ring with Tom Brady too instead of him beating me despite being up 28 to three in the last Super Bowl I played against the guy. Yeah. He wants to be part of that team that comes back right. from 28 to three or 27 to three, like the bucks almost yep. did uh, last year. Yeah. I think that's really what's going to come down to Does, does Jones want to get paid and have the opportunity to be a uh, number one or number two and recapture some of the, uh, you know, the skills that he once had, or as you said, does he understand that, his body isn't going to hold up as much anymore. Is he just solely focused on winning a ring? Then yeah, probably going to Tampa Bay and playing with Tom Brady who goes to the Super Bowl every other season. Uh, so he's on <laughs> his track record is, is, is on point to go again this year. And it's funny if Jones would come to the Bucks again, you're just talking about a fantasy team, Tom Brady, yeah. Mike Evans, Julio Jones, Leonard Fournette. Maybe they get Gronk back. Obviously Chris Godwin, uh, rounds out that team that really makes it, you know, a, a fantasy. And speaking of fantasies, one of the best places to go to is underdog fantasy with their best ball mania. Folks, if you don't know about underdog fantasy, uh, you got to get going to it. Uh, the best place to play fantasy football this summer is underdog fantasy. Their best ball mania three tournament has $10 million in total prize money. And the best part is you just draft your fantasy football team and that's it. You set it and forget it. There's no waivers. There's no trades, no in-season management. An underdog gives you your best score each week of the season and the highest scores at the end of the year win. You don't got to worry about bye weeks. This player's injured. This guy's playing against a good defense. And it's also, you're better off drafting now. The earlier, the better. Last year, someone drafted their team in June and ended up winning $2 million in yeah, prizes from underdog fantasy. Get, get $2 million. He drafted his team in June. And the reason for that, we just had a great call with, with Andrew from, from underdog fantasy. Yeah. And, and he shared with us that in June, you can get some really good value players, right? Some, some guys that, that are, are Fly under little... the radar. You yeah, might hear about yeah. them in training camp, but by training camp, it's too late. Everyone else is already finding out about these players. Exactly. You start drafting them now. And you get away with it. And they are closing in on uh, 41,000 signups for Already? Best Ball Mania 3. Yeah. Already. So uh, you're talking about big money, as we just said, uh, $10 million in uh, total prizes. So uh, Underdog also, too, Underdog Fancy is going to double your first deposit up to $100 when you sign up with the promo code Pewter. So that's up to four free entries into Best Ball Mania 3. So what are you waiting for? Head to underdogfantasy.com or the App Store, sign up for Underdog Fantasy with the promo code Pewter, and draft your best Ball Mania 3 team today. That's Underdog Fantasy promo code Pewter. Also, too, I think we should point out, Scott, that while Best Ball Mania 3 is awesome, there's also a ton of other options, too, at Underdog Fantasy. Oh, yeah. You don't have to just do Best Ball Mania. They got uh, weekly plays. They got daily plays. They got a lot of great stuff going on right hey, now too with, I've, with hockey and basketball. I, I, I have come so close to winning $100 the last two times that I've done the pickums, right? The over under pickums. And, and I just put my slip in again for tonight's game. Um, folks, I, I have bet $10 in each of the last two games and the lightning course won those games. And I, I have picked the correct over all three of the times for the Lightning players. It's those damn Florida Panthers that are screwing me, Matt. Screwing me, I tell you. And so, that, that, seriously, I, I've nailed all of the, the Lightning guys. All you have to do is just pick one and one. You just have to pick at least one player from different teams. So uh, I, I try to win a little bit more money So I, because they give you the multipliers when you are, are picking multiple players. So I, I pick one token guy from the Panthers. I picked wrong, obviously, because uh, these guys don't shoot like they should. But I'm trying again. I'm trying again. $10 to win $100 tonight. 
uh, and and we'll see if that's the case. There you go. And they have leagues too. You can play three dollars, five dollars, six dollars. Uh, you can play with just friends and family in your own little setup there too. So there's a ton of different options. So make sure you go to underdogfantasy.com yeah. for more information. Promo code pewter. You All know, right, I, Scott. I, I, I would be go remiss ahead. if I didn't say go bolts tonight because they have a chance to to sweep the Florida Panthers tonight. I think a lot of Buccaneer fans out there that are our lightning fans would, would agree with that. Um, one last thing on, um, on Julio Jones that, that uh, I had a chance to reach out to a good friend of mine, uh, Terry McCormick. He runs Titans insider, which is kind of like the, the pewter report for, for the, um, uh, for the Titans. For the Titans yeah. And, and uh, I asked him about this. I, I had these quotes in today's Bucks Monday mailbag, but I'll read them to you here just because there's a lot of people that are like, this team needs to sign Julio Jones. They have to sign him. But, folks, you're not getting the Buck killer. You're not getting the former Atlanta Falcons guy. You're getting maybe a better version of what we saw in Tennessee last year, but not as good as what we saw in Atlanta over the course of his career. But who knows? But this is what Terry McCormick had to say. At this stage, he's probably a role player, a number two or number three receiver. He can still catch the ball in traffic and even make the spectacular catch. He's not as fast anymore, so the yak might not be there. The biggest issue with Jones now is his health. His hamstring has plagued him for two years now. In a limited role, can still be effective, but I wouldn't expect a 70-catch season from him just because of the injury issue. So I asked Harry about, okay, well, can he play in the slot, right? I mean, he's, he's certainly played in the slot in Atlanta, Matt. He also played in the slot a little bit last mm -hmm. year, but as we know with the Chris Goblin role, the slots asked to do different things in Tampa Bay from a run blocking standpoint. Right. And that's, that's why Tyler Johnson, because he's a bigger receiver has been in that role as opposed to a Scotty Miller or a Jalen Darden mm -hmm. uh, or, or, you know, some of the, the smaller receivers, but, and we had a question earlier about Russell Gage. Can he do it? He's only six foot 184, but yes, he's a bit of a dog. He is one of those scrappy, wiry strength guys that, that he is a kind of a tenacious run blocker. So I asked Terry McCormick about Julio Jones in the slot. This is what Terry had to say. He could do some things in the slot as well as outside. His route running was good enough for the slot as well as outside. For little bursts, he was very good and still explosive but just couldn't do it as consistently as they needed to and to for the money they were paying. Titans never complained about him as a run blocker. He did okay at it, but A.J. Brown and Nick Westbrook were both better at run blocking than Julio was. So it's pretty good insight there from uh, my friend Terry McCormick uh, from the TitansInsider.com. Yeah, absolutely. And I, it's funny because when you think of like star wide receivers – I think we've thankfully moved away from the diva type of wide receivers, but the top guys never seem to really want to block anyway. And then you just look at Mike Evans and Chris Godwin and they just dummy people when they're yeah. out there. Like Chris Godwin was essentially used as a fullback at times over yeah. the, you know, over the past couple of seasons. So, um, but yeah, that's great insight there. I really think, and we discussed it too, just, in a limited role, again, I think that range of 55% of the offensive snaps that can really be effective. Obviously, beginning of the year with if Chris Godwin's not able to play. I think there's a role for Julio Jones on this team. It's just a matter of is if he's willing to accept it, if he's willing to obviously take a deal that's not going to be financially handicapping to the Bucs because they only have so much more room to go. And obviously the, I wonder too, like if Gronk decides he's going to come back would that help the case even more for Julio Jones to come to Tampa. Cause now Maybe. it's like, all right, they got another weapon here. They're bringing yeah. the band back together. Plus Russell Gage, who he like has familiarity with. So right. it's not, he's coming to a place where he yeah. at least knows someone and you know, and they're kind of learning together. I, th I think that helps Matt, right? Because yeah. Julio Jones would come here not being the man, right? He's not going to help you on special teams, right? So that, that yeah. that's a little bit of an issue because now you've got receivers one, two, three, and four, although they might ask Russell Gage to do some things on special teams if Julio Jones were to come here as well. And the reason why we're talking about Julio Jones is, is he is one of, of the viable options this team is looking at, right? They have not crossed Julio Jones's name off the list. I'm not saying that they're going to sign Julio Jones. Mm -hmm. I'm not saying that they um, are, are, you know, hot on him or interested, although there has been some conjecture that Tom Brady would love to have Julio Jones here. Uh, and usually what Tom Brady 
gets, uh, you know, is, he wants. Is what he wants. Right? <laughs> so <laughs> he's going to get his way. Um, but we're dedicating a show to this because th there is that possibility. It's, it's not been crossed off the list. Again, the Buccaneers personnel staff, they're going to go through and and look at every rock and 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 see if if any of these guys can play in, in any league, right? The NFL, the Canadian Football League, the new uh, uh, USFL that's that's launched. Go Bandits. Go Bandits, yeah, uh, etc. So they're doing their due, their due diligence. I would suspect that as this team gets closer to training camp, they'll have a better idea of where Chris Godwin is in his rehab. But Matt, again. I think if his rehab was right on schedule or ahead of schedule, we'd know about it. The fact that they have been reluctant to to give a timetable, whether it's Chris himself in interviews, whether it's Kevin Garver, whether it's Todd Bowles, they've been very guarded. Hey, um, we'll we'll see Chris when we see him on the field, right? Yep, that's a set. That's been the motto. That's been that's the been mantra. The, yeah, that's been the mantra. And so, uh, I I do think that. That again, Jason Light has got all these different balls that are rolling around the table, and the wide receiver ball is one of them. And if if Chris Godwin is not able to go, yeah, it's going to help from a depth a depth chart standpoint for one of these younger receivers, one of these other guys that we've talked about. But they might need an experienced veteran that can step in and help out. And this team has a track record of doing that. They did it with Antonio Brown at the receiver position, and by God, they did it last year with with Richard Sherman signing a big name guy. It was almost at the end of his career, gave him a chance, and Sherman stepped in and, and helped him a little bit. Yeah, I actually wrote down a couple of names, and one guy that would fall into that category, I'll get to him last, but he wouldn't help the Bucks right away. It would be more of a uh, break glass in case of emergency type of situation down the road. But as we've seen, the Bucks have gotten into that situation right. on more than one occasion. So I'll get to that in a little bit. Uh, but I have three other players listed on here. The first was uh, Will Fuller who, mm -hmm. as some people know, he played for the Texans for a long time. Yep. Last year, he signed with the Miami Dolphins, only played in two games, though. He gets uh, hurt all the time, too. <laughs> he gets hurt all the time. And so, yes, there is that issue that comes with it. But again, understanding fourth wide receiver, where predominantly in Houston, he was the number one and number two wide receiver. Yeah. He's obviously the deep ball threat, has a lot of touchdowns way down the field. But, Scott, one thing that really jumped out to me, and again, he broke his thumb last year, only played in two games. So you can pretty much throw that one out the window. Mm -hmm. But in 2020, let's remember, DeAndre Hopkins left and went to, uh, he got traded to the Arizona Cardinals. So yep. Fuller was the de facto top target. He played in 11 games and was suspended for the final six games. It was actually the last five games of the year. Right. And then he got suspended for the first game of this season. So for the most part, he was healthy. He only missed time because of the suspensions. But he had 53 receptions for career-best 879 yards, hmm. eight touchdowns, and a long touchdown of 77. Again, the deep yep. ball threat that we all like. So those are really impressive numbers considering he was the top target and he was able to stay healthy. Now, I'm not yeah. banking on other than the suspension. I'm right. not banking on him staying healthy for a whole year. But if he's able to do that just a season ago, That's and he's right. coming off of a broken thumb, okay? It's mm -hmm. not like anything with the ACL. He's still going to be able to yeah. run his routes, go deep, do what he does best. This I think he does like speed receivers. Exactly. He fits that mold. Yeah. yeah, exactly. So I think that would be a really interesting fit there. Uh, the other two I have written down, uh, T.Y. Hilton, obviously long mm -hmm. career with the Colts, played back in the day in Bruce Aaron's system. I know Bruce Aaron's is not yeah. here, but you get my point. Some familiarity uh, with, with yeah, the scheme. Familiarity. Yeah, familiarity. Again, starting to get towards the tail end of his career. Yeah. I believe he's had a neck injury too. That was, the, yeah, you know. only played in um only played in 10 games this year. 23 yeah. receptions, 333, one, 331 yards, and three mm -hmm. touchdowns. Year before, though, again, 2020, uh, over 50 receptions, 762 receiving yards, which would, you know, if the Bucs had that in their offense with everyone that they have, like that's a pretty good number so maybe yeah, he has is. to bounce back year in a, in a different role this last one this is uh extremely low risk very high reward mm -hmm. and this is alan hearns who essentially oh, yeah. has not played in two years now That's again right. we're not going to get the alan hearns from 2015 when he went insane over a thousand right. yards on the jaguars which yep. is like crazy in itself um he opted out of the 2020 season uh, because of he didn't want to play in the COVID year mm -hmm. and then had a season-ending injury uh, in 2021. 
So we're talking about a guy that hasn't really played in two years. Yeah. But with that said, he's 6'3", so he's got that size that the True. Bucks really like. And um, if he could turn it around, playing with the great quarterback, you know, he's never really had that too much right. in his career. But getting to play with Tom Brady, maybe it sparks something. Again, mm-hmm. extremely low risk, very high reward if it works out. And the yeah. last receiver I had on this list, and uh, polarizing name, everyone knows him. Uh, he's recovering from his own ACL injury, so you wouldn't see him until November or December. No. But if the Bucks find themselves in a similar situation OBJ. that they were in this year, would be Odell Beckham Jr. Yeah, He obviously has a great uh, admiration for Tom Brady, going back to when he gave him the shoes that I think had goat hair on it or there was a goat <laughs> logo in it. So. Right. He loves Tom Brady. I'm sure he'd welcome the opportunity to play with Tom. Mm-hmm. And if he comes to the Bucs, he would be in a situation. Obviously, you got to get the chemistry going and everything, but he'd be in yeah. a situation where he'd have to contribute and be a number one, two, or three receiver in, right. in, in this type of scenario. So I could see it way down the road. I'm sure other teams will be looking for him too. Mm-hmm. But just something to think about in November, December, if we get to if the Bucs are in that type yeah. of uh, scenario. I think whoever comes due to the the financial hierarchy of Mike Evans, Chris Godwin, and the Russell Gage contracts is really going to have to accept kind of that, hey, you want a ring and you want to play with Tom, right? Yeah. And we can throw you a couple million, and you can be receiver three, maybe four. We throw the ball a lot. This is a wide receiver-driven offense. Some of our guys are going to get hurt. Godwin might even play at the beginning of the season. So you're still going to get plenty of opportunity to play. And uh, and if you're if you're courting Julio Jones, of course, the message is um, that hamstring is really going to get tight up there in Lambeau Field. Right. It's just yeah. the cold weather of the hamstring is not going to be good, Julio. You're going to want to play with your guy, Russell Gage, down here and and play with Tom Brady rather than against him. Because we know how that works out. It doesn't work out very well. Um, so okay. I, I, I would not be opposed to having Julio Jones here. I've really warmed up to the idea. And 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 I I think for the right price with with the people on this team, I I think there's an opportunity there. It just like you said, Matt earlier, uh, does he still want to roll as a number two receiver somewhere? He could probably get that in Dallas. He could probably get more money elsewhere. Where is Julio Jones with his health at age 33, with his mindset, with his ego at this stage? And I'm not saying he's a jerk or anything, but everybody has an ego, right? Receivers sure. want the ball. They they do whether yeah. you're you know, Scotty Miller or Jaden uh, Jalen Darden, or your Mike Evans or, or Chris Coppin. You can be as team oriented as you want. You're a wide receiver. Your your job is to catch the ball. You can't catch it unless you have it in your hands. So you want those targets and opportunities. And folks, when it comes to finances and opportunities, there's only one place to turn, and that's our friends at Amuni Financial. At Amuni Financial, we help you live in the now. Congratulations! We're so happy. Thank for you. you. Thank you. And even though the now may feel very different. You still need to plan for the future. How's retirement treating you? Oh, just fantastic. I know I say it all the time, but you really got to come up to Colorado. Let's do it. All right. Yeah. We can help you develop that plan to keep you on track so you can still prepare for tomorrow, today. Amuni Financial. Plan ahead. Stay ahead. Dude. Dude, it is Dude. a must that we have to get to Colorado. We got to get to Colorado. We do. And listen, we don't mean just for a little weekend trip. Right? We're talking about a family vacation. We're talking about you know a full on week, uh, you know, with with your your family, uh, Breckenridge or Yale or or, or not Yale, uh, Vale or one of those other uh, places uh, to go skiing. And the best time to do that maybe is not even when the kids are young, but when when you're older and you have time to do things uh like like plan your retirement and take the trips that you've always wanted to take and that's where muni financial comes in no they're not travel agents but they're the best in the business when it comes to managing your family's wealth that means more to them than just simply allocating your assets and muni financial means legacy planning brokerage and advisory services retirement accounts college savings accounts and insurance services do what i did pewter people with 40 years of experience i called muni financial to help me plan ahead and stay ahead. These are some turbulent times when it comes to the stock market and the economy right now, not just here nationally, but also internationally. Let the pros help you safeguard your investments and and earn as much money as you can. Call Immunity Financial, 1-800-868-6864. 
Matt, uh, this has been a, a fun show. Julio Jones, big topic today, big topic on pewterreport.com. We have a couple stories up. Again, J.C. Allen had one over the weekend. I address a lot of the Julio Jones uh, topic in today's Bucks Monday Mailbag. Make sure that you check those out. And uh, as we mentioned earlier, we, we've got a, a special guest coming on on Thursday. That would be Will Golston. And we're going to be out there at Bucks OTA. The, the second OTA that's open to the media, Matt, is on Wednesday. So that means tomorrow we're going to have a preview show. That's Logan Ryan right there. And we're going to be looking at Logan Ryan, Matt. We're going to be out there on Wednesday looking to see, is this guy playing more nickel corner? Is he playing mm-hmm. some free safety? They're going to be experimenting a little bit. So there's a lot to look at in these OTAs. And we're going to be previewing what, what we're going to be looking for uh, on Wednesday because that's when the OTA takes place. And then, of course, on Wednesday, you know, yeah, listen, folks, it would not be a show without a Blaine Gabbert picture. I'm just saying, right? So we're going to have the Bucks OTA Week 2 recap. Look at that man's hair. That mullet ah, is fantastic. Luscious. It is. Luscious. I love that word. Yes. Uh, so uh, we're going to have on Wednesday the Bucks OTA Week 2 recap. So I think myself, uh, J.C. Allen, and, and you will be out there on Wednesday. Uh, so we got an action-packed week here. Tomorrow, OTA previews. Wednesday, OTA recap show. Thursday, Will Golston talking about OTAs, talking about Vita Vea, talking about the new Logan Hall, Logan Hall, the new edition yeah. of Logan Hall. So it's going to be a fun week ahead on Pewter Report uh, and the Pewter Report podcast. And we want to thank everybody out there for taking part in our roll call today. It's, it's always fun. We're going to do yeah. that every Monday at 420. So make sure that you join our live show on Monday. If you're watching Pewter Report in the podcast version, which means this is not live, this is not live, this is a recording, then that means that you can uh, hit the like button. And you can also subscribe to our Pewter Report TV channel. I believe that we had uh, a notification that we're over 8,400 now. All so right. There thank it you is. for that. We're on the That's way to 4,000. Yeah, very close. Also, just want to say real quick, congratulations to uh, Mike Evans and his wife, Ashley Evans, on the birth of That's their right. uh, baby girl. The, Ashley recently gave birth, I believe, uh, two days ago. So congratulations to them. That's so awesome. Very very happy for them. And Scott, as you said, we have a ton of great coverage coming up this week. So go to pewterreport.com, go on Pewter Report TV, like, and subscribe, get ready. I'm so excited for Will Golston on Thursday, and we have a ton of content coming up to that day. So stay tuned for everything on pewterreport.com. So for Scott Reynolds, I'm Matt Matera saying thanks everyone for watching. We will catch you again tomorrow at 4 PM for another edition of the Pewter Report podcast out. Out. Go Bolts.